Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Work Podcast. I'm Gina Kelly, and my co-host is my longstanding colleague and friend, John Sumser. Today, we are welcoming Sarah Roadhorst, who is the CEO and co-founder of Onwards HR. Onwards HR has a very unique story and is satisfying a category in the HR workflow that I think many organizations overlook or because hopefully they're doing it so infrequently, everything is last minute when they do have to address it. So on that note, I'd like to welcome Sarah. And Sarah, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and about Onwards HR. Well, first, I just want to say thank you so much, Jean and John, for having me, having me today. Uh, so glad to be here to join your podcast. So a little bit about me. So Sarah Roadhorse, CEO of Onwards HR. Uh, I've really spent my entire career focused in the HR technology space, uh, had a large stint with a company called Connecture that runs Medicare.gov, also did a lot of the state health insurance exchanges. And so there was a lot of compliance aspects um, as part of that organization um, when healthcare reform came out. A lot of, com- a lot of companies had to stay in compliance um, and launched their uh, government division. And we did uh, kind of help and assist many states with their state health insurance exchanges. And then I had moved my career at the point uh, Connecture was ultimately went public. Uh, healthcare reform was very big. Uh, ADP was forming the ADP Health Compliance Division, and they reached out. They were looking for a healthcare reform expert. Uh, they they found me. They made me an offer I couldn't refuse, and basically was this second leader within the ADP Health Compliance Service Division and helped them scale that organization from two to 250 employees in just a short 18 months. Um, so that's just a little bit of uh, a background on me. Uh, ended up leaving ADP to go out on my own and ended up stumbling across this, this gap in HR technology. Um, we, just a little bit of background on how ADP or how Onwards HR came to be. Um, we first started our platform to be online benefits of to streamline that, which we invested um, dollars. We we streamlined that whole process. We were going to revolutionize the way that open enrollment was going to happen. And we ended up taking that out to a lot of customers. And they said, you know what? It's a wonderful application, what you have. Uh, But have you done anything with severance? Because we are struggling with severance. Uh, We are paying the wrong people, the wrong amount of money. We're having a hard time managing all of the eligibility rules around severance. And we ended up uh, really getting our first customer who said, yes, we would love to put a solution together for you. Um, We ended up Um, pitching them a severance automation solution, help them manage reductions in force and onwards HR came to be. Um, And so, wow. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, it's a big evolution. We kind of took a, a, a different path. We ended up helping the company 
was a an organization that had recent, recently went through an M&A situation. So they had a lot of consolidation across the organizations. Um, and so there was a high volume around severance. And so we helped them kind of streamline that process. I'm, I'm fascinated by this story because I think this is the typical entrepreneurial journey, which is actually atypical. And that is we all start out to solve one set of problems and we find ourselves drawn into another set of problems. And that's where we shine. But you're mentioning severance. And when I hear severance, I don't know about you, John, I think payroll processing like that, that, that just feels like that's where it should sit. Um, I'm sure I'm wrong because I know Onwards HR is very successful. So can you speak a little bit to that, Sarah? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, anytime you think about severance, yes, there's a calculation at the end, and it's a benefit that's paid out to the employee to ease their transition um, into their next uh, role. Now, why severance is a HR option, really, um, focus, is because it happens in large part in a couple of different scenarios. One is a reduction in force, which we're hearing a lot about these days. Mm -hmm. And that is typically led by HR to manage across the process. But it does involve other roles within um, the organization because it, it's also heavily involved with legal as well as finance. Now, ultimately, the end the output of that, once the calculations, severance calculations, it's done, the individuals are identified who are going to be impacted, then payroll gets involved because they do need to pay out severance. But that is just one piece in the whole puzzle that happens as part of this evolution um, or this really kind of global enterprise project that happens when you're in any kind of a restructuring event. Um, and there's other scenarios for severance, uh, retirement. Um, there can be, because we're also global in, in some countries, anytime you separate from the organization, it is required to be paid out in severance. That's interesting. Um, tell me, what do you think the percentage of companies generalize about about the globe, but in particular in the United States, it seems to me that severance is not a common thing, um, unless you're in in the bigs, right? If you if you're in, if you're in one of those too big to fail companies, sure there's severance, but if you're in a regular company, the idea of a of a severance payment is unusual um and so that that tells me that you're in the enterprise marketplace rather than um, the small to medium business marketplace is that right we do quite a bit in the enterprise marketplace that is primarily our focus um there when we talk about severance it is more of an executive role that ends up being um offered a severance package uh it could be offered as part of a reduction in force um or in a mutual separation situation. Um, but we do more than just severance. It is kind of where we've started, but we do all kind of compliance around the offboarding process. And there is an element of that uh, that came about in full force with COVID around state separation notices. Um, and what state separation notices are is a 
form or a flyer that the employer is required to provide to their employees at a part at a point of separation, whether it's a reduction of force, termination for cause, or even in the instance that that person resigns, uh, employers are required to provide the information about unemployment insurance in their state to those employees. And that impacts all employers, regardless of size and all separations. And getting back to the numbers you were question you were asking me, John, uh, if you look at the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, nearly half of the workforce leaves their jobs annually, which is a shocking number. And one in 10 are asked to leave by their organization as part of a layoff or um, a, a firing. Um, but we do have hope on all of this uh, is that one in 20 are ultimately rehired. So in good times and bad, separations are happening and it's not always a final goodbye. So it's really important to make sure that it is a positive experience when it does happen. So, so what is it that you do that makes it a positive experience? I, I hear you talking about compliance and I understand that you can make it a positive experience for employers. Um, um, I have the hardest time imagining anything that makes getting terminated a positive experience for an employee. So, so, so help me out here. Help me, help me out here. Compliance, great. You keep you you mitigate risk for the employers. That's great for them. But um, the experience of losing your job is hard to imagine that being a positive experience. Uh, you, you know, and 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 so so. What's the difference between your rhetoric and the reality on this on this thing? So yes, losing your job is, is never a positive experience, right? It is a, a challenge. Um, and it's, it's something that is impacting people's livelihoods. So it's important for organizations to put the effort behind the project in a sense of what's happening, making sure that the uh, agreements are accurate right? Making sure severance benefits are accurate. And if you look at what the flip side of a positive experience is and what is happening a lot of times in the headlines now, what, what a bad experience looks like, it's when people are getting severance checks in their payroll, uh, in their pay stubs before they're even notified that they were terminated. Right. So you got. Oh, my gosh. Has that actually happened, Sarah? That has actually happened. Yes. Oh, wow. So uh, better.com actually went in and paid out severance to employees, which we highly recommend. We think that is a great, great, great thing to do. Um, however, they failed to notify those employees. Now, did better.com want to do that? No, I am sure, I am 100% sure that was not their intention, but there was a breakdown in the project. There was a miscommunication likely between HR and payroll. Um, my guess is the dates changed, right? Which if you've ever done a reduction in force, you know if it's a happy path and it's, it's everything happens in the order it should, it can move run very smoothly. But more often than not, dates change. People transition to other roles. Things happen within the process that everyone needs to know about to make sure that things happen when they should and as they should. But 
if you don't have the appropriate tools to manage that process and to keep everyone coordinated and communication consistent across the process, then there can be a breakdown. And that's when these mistakes happen. And, and who is hurt by those mistakes is the employee. They are just lost their job, just like you said. We can't help that. That is a circumstance that's going to happen outside of anything that Onwards HR does. What we can do is make sure that they are getting the benefits that that company wants, you know, plans to offer to them that they should under their, their contract to make sure that their agreements are accurate, that they are protected under the laws that the EEOC and the DOL have put in place to protect their rights. Um, we don't want discrimination to happen as part of that. Uh, there is the WARN Act. They need to have the appropriate notification or the equivalent of benefits. These laws, when we talk about compliance, yes, we're helping the organization stay in compliance, but these laws are in place to protect employees and to give them the rights that they deserve as part of any exit. So when we say, how are we helping them get a better experience? Well, because they are owed that and organizations are breaking down at that point. So we are helping them stay compliant with the rules that are there in, in force um, to protect those employees. So I, I'm, I'm putting myself in the position of the employee. I, I think, you know, as an, as an employer myself, over the years, I've I've had a number of conversations with whether it's employees exiting the organization voluntarily or, you know, those sad moments when we've had to make um, changes due to economic pressures. Um, unemployment, for example, or the state level regulations, you know, we're, we're all it's easy to kind of source the federal regulations. But especially if you have employees in different states, how do you stay on top of that? You've mentioned the WARN Act. Um, yeah. I, I believe a number of the states have also um, come forth with their own regulations or, or takes on the WARN Act. What, what does all of that look like for onwards? So it's it's really one of the benefits we provide organizations. So yes, there's the federal regulations that we we just touched on, the EEOC and the DOL, but there are regulations. WARN Act is one of them. Again, these state separation notices required under unemployment is another area that varies state by state that organizations need to comply with. So one of the benefits that Onwards HR does is that we monitor these regulations. So for example, New, New Jersey just came out with their own WARN Act or mini WARN Act as they are called. Um, and now they're requiring, um, when WARN is triggered, they're requiring employers to pay out severance. Um, it's one of the first mm. things, first states we're seeing take action in that um, to further protect employees uh, as part of these reductions of force that are happening as part of um, the economic conditions right now. But it's hard. Like, think about a, a company, an organization, regardless of the size, to keep track of all of these changing regulations from state to state and, and even on a country by country basis. It's a lot. Um, and, and the laws vary. And so what we do is we are monitoring those regulations and we have incorporated and will incorporate the corporate policies as well of um, within our platform to make sure that uh, and help organizations stay compliant with these regulations. 
and provide the appropriate form. So a lot of the outputs that organizations and a lot of the work um, that comes anytime you have an exit is the paperwork, right? So it is the severance packages. It is the warn notices. It is the state separation notices. And we will dynamically create all of those documents for our customers with the latest and greatest forms and templates um, so that they are in compliance. Hmm. I can tell John is aching to ask a few questions here. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't know about aching, but but I, I, I keep coming back to the claim that this is good for employees and um, and wonder if you if you consider any of the sort of adjacent services, um, outplacement or grief counseling or trauma counseling or the kinds of things that that people that people actually need in these things because you know when i look at your when i look at your website this is the compliance play and it's an awesome compliance play i don't mean i don't mean to discount the value of what you're doing by any stretch of the imagination i'm simply questioning the claim that this is somehow great for employees and wonder if that claim gets in the way of companies doing the things that are not legally required, but are compassionately required to take care of employees because you help them check off the nobody can sue us box. We do partner with outplacement firms. Actually, um, recently did a webinar with uh, Career Minds, Raymond Lee over there, and we help organizations provide those services and make sure that they are the packages um, that are offered as part of their offboarding process um, are assigned to each of the individuals. Um, and so we we partner with those uh, companies and work with them to provide those services. But I think they're incredibly important um, as part of the exit process. So I think those are services that HR would be familiar with. But Sarah, I know you're working across a number of functional groups. You know, I'm hearing HR, I'm hearing legal, I'm hearing finance. John, you've made a great point about what is compassionately required or or we hope, you know, there's visibility into the fact that there are people involved here. To what to what extent can HR influence the other services that are brought into the mix as an employee is offboarding? As far as just to clarify your question. So are you saying as as far as how HR can influence what other types of benefits that could be included as part of the separation package? Exactly, exactly. Do you see HR spearheading, you know, when there's a workforce reduction, is HR sitting at the table with finance and legal and saying, okay, you know, we're doing all of this, we're compliant, check the box, but here's what we need to do from a compassion standpoint. And, and do you see HR being able to instrument change in terms of those things like grief counseling or you know, we, we see a lot of focus these days on, on mental health and wellness. Yeah. Uh, certainly outplacement historically has been more for the executive level. But, you know, there are there there's a plethora of other services. How yeah. how do you, how does HR and I'm thinking of our listeners, mm -hmm. you know, how does HR encourage its its colleagues in these other functions to say, hey, wait a minute, yeah, we've done all the right things in terms of severance and compliance, but have we done the right things in terms of setting people up for success, especially going back to the point you made earlier, that they, 
the former employees represent a talent pool. Oftentimes, employers are going back in and rehiring people. So to John's point, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to connect dots here. So I'd love Sarah's opinion <laughs> yeah. on this. Yes, well, I mean, I think it's it's important as far as that severance or separation package, it isn't just about the severance, right? It is about all of the benefits that can be offered as that. Um, and it, and you just touched on many of them. And they're important to incorporate as part of their exit process. So, for example, we're but they're not always thought of. And with a lot of the conversations we have with organizations, we're in a unique opportunity to help coach individuals who may be going through a separation process to say, have you considered a lot of these other benefits? And so that's where our um, our partners come into play, um, you know, whether it's Career Minds, Rise Smart, um, you know, many other players in this space to recommend them um, and bring them, incorporate them as part of that severance package that is ultimately offered to those individuals. Now, another area that we can help assist is, you know, we do, we are compliance and John, I think you, you focus on it. it. We're a large part about compliance and helping from an efficiency standpoint um, to make sure that uh, they are going through the appropriate process and they're able to aggregate the inf information um, in an efficient manner, which can also reduce their internal costs. So they have more, um, more budget to be able to spend on a lot of these other benefits as part of that package and that, that offering. So, so let me shift the tone a little bit um, um, because large scale severance events are one thing. The right. the actual decision to terminate an employee is a complicated thing and usually involves uh, or often involves HR and the company needing to get over being right in order to get to a termination solution that solves the problem and moves things forward. Right. So so you have to let go of the of the idea of hanging the culprit in the public square. Um, and cutting a check so that you can get on to doing business. And that's often a very, very hard decision for a company to make. How do you help with that? So just to clarify. So, so, so let's, let's, let's say, because, because termination for cause mm -hmm. involves the difference between an employee's point of view and the company's point of view, and um, they both think they're right. 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 It, it, you don't terminate for cause when the employee thinks that they're screwing up and need to go. You only terminate for cause when they don't. Right. Um, right? Um, and often um, it sits on the edges of legal action. Um, um, often it sits on the edges of legal action and mostly legal action is a bad idea. And so that decision, use the shape of that decision is Sammy is stealing and we need to fire him. And Sammy says, no, I'm not, prove it. And um, there you are, there you are. And you can go back and forth about that all night and all day. And you can want to be right all night and all day, but to the extent that you insist on being right and seeing justice, the business slows down. And so the decision is often reached that you, that you write a check and get done with it so you can move on to the next thing. But that hurdle 
of arriving at the conclusion that this is not a moral problem, it's a financial problem, and we need to move on. Um, that's a hard one. It's a really, really hard one. I've never seen I've never seen it go easy. And so my question is, do you offer some help in making those kinds of termination decisions? So what we do provide is we help <clears throat> standardize their individual separation process, right? We make sure the questions are asked and answered before termination can happen. Now, what questions are asked? That is a large part up to that organization and what their policy is. Uh, we have best practices that a lot of organizations, um, just because of where we sit, we, we have a view into what those checks and balances should be. Do you have the appropriate documentation? Um, has it been gathered? Have you, uh, you know, asked the questions along the way? Have you gone through um, a, a performance improvement plan? Or was what was the circumstances of the separation, right? And based on why that individual may be separating, we can dynamically ask different questions. So if they're resigning, right, there's one set of questions that can be asked as part of the separation. Um, one question that comes is, would you want to rehire them? So you have that information. If you ultimately uh, want to, we're talking about rehires coming back so often these days that you want to be able to have access to that information if they leave, uh, whether or not you want to rehire them. Now, so in that's great. I, I, total, I totally get you, and we're, we're cranking in on time. So the, the question that you raised right there is, how are you integrated with the rest of the HR technology in the company? Because having that information available in your system is useless. Having that, just that information available in recruiting or in the HRIS is powerful. Right. How do you do that? So we are a data-driven platform, and we, we are integrated with their HCM platforms. So we are available on the SAP um, uh, store, as well as on the Paycore marketplace, um, and have integrations with quite a few uh, additional um, HCM vendors to be able to provide that data in real time. Um, and so it's connection. It is, we are an extension of their HCM platform, um, really kind of more on the legal tech side of things. Um, but then that information is available to them uh, going forward, if that makes so, sense. It's a so great how, question, John. Yeah. How, how is, right, because, because being in the store and being available Right. is not the same as when I go to look to hire people for this new job, I see that this person is here and they're clean. So so is there a feedback loop into the applicant tracking system by default? Is there a feedback loop into the HRIS system by default? Or is this a hypothetical that somebody could do if they wanted to put the work in to get it done? I would say at this point, specifically looking at the rehire, it's not tying back into their talent systems, um, but the information is available, right? So we have access to the information and um, they're able to export that information and have that as a target list of, uh, available to them and their recruiters um, going forward. Now, roadmap, uh, that is a focus of where we will be looking at more holistically is what that information uh, we have within our platform and where it should ultimately go. If that 
I, I'm going to, I know John's chomping at the bit to continue this line of questioning, and we are short on time. And I'm going to push back on John and say, John, we are talking about some behavioral changes here, because as you know, um, so often companies start the job, you know, they look for candidates starting from, from square one all over again, even when they have a fabulous alumni database um, that they can source from. But that potentially is a conversation for another day. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't mean to be the Spanish Inquisition here. Um, um, yes, you do. <laughs> no, I think these are these are great questions. And it, it's one of those things that looking at where we can take our platform, there has been a hole in this area around data, around connectivity, and there's a wealth of opportunities that really can transform how organizations look at separations, especially with, with employees becoming more transient, and we have more contractors um, and, and moving towards that model. Having access to the information as part of the exit process can really provide a wealth of information to um, your your talent management systems to your your uh, talent acquisition. Uh, there's a, just a lot of different opportunities there. Great, this belongs on your roadmap. Maybe in another in another conversation we could talk about how in the world you make information like that actually visible to people because there's nobody who's got a shortage of information today that 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 I'm aware of. And so just because some information is accessible doesn't mean it's useful, right? It, because because unless it's right in front of me, I don't see it. Or unless you know how to use it. Right. right. Because well, some of it is also how to use it. But but it's a great roadmap idea. And so and so and so please don't hear this as as other than it is, which is a which is a forceful suggestion for roadmap inclusion. <laughs> Yes, which well, is John being John. No, I, I love it. I love it. And, and you know, a lot of the data that we're able to provide now really in large part ties, you know, thinking about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? We're able to provide to our customers um, adverse impact analysis around who's leaving their organization voluntarily and involuntarily. That's very valuable information from a risk standpoint, but also from a cultural standpoint, yes. right? That's um, powerful. That's you know, very powerful. It's, it's one of those things that you, they may not know it. And it, it may be that certain things are happening with a small segment of a department. Um, but unless you have access to that data, you don't know that. Um, and that's one of the things that we're able to provide to our customers, not only as, as part of an exit process. I know I've, I've talked to um, many of our customers. They're like, you could just market the adverse impact analysis that you provide. And someday we, we, we may just go all in on that, but we've, we've had um, a lot of, uh, uh, we're pretty busy in, in this, the scope <laughs> that we're doing right now, but uh, the adverse impact, you know, that spans promotions. Um, that is also as part of the hiring process. Um, and we also, we are able to kind of do that analytics already. And it's, and it's not just the straightforward, the three force. I mean, there's a lot of different statistical models that'll be used and the circumstances vary of when you would use each one of these models. And that's why we actually run four different statistical models uh, so that HR and legal teams have access 
access to the information they need. They can dive deep into that data across departments, across roles um, to be able to have access and, and make better people decisions. Terrific. Well, I'm going to I'm going to end it there because uh, we have really enjoyed our conversation with you today, Sarah. I'd like to ask you to please tell our listeners how they find Onwards HR. How do they connect with you? Very well. Would love to share that information. So Onwards HR, you can visit our website, um, onwardshr.com. Uh, they can connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Sarah Roadhorse. Uh, and you can also email me, sarah at onwardshr.com. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This is The Work Podcast, co-hosted by my colleague, John Sumser, and I'm Gina Killey. And we look forward to tracking what Onwards HR is doing going forward. And we hope you will, too. Thank you.